Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. You shall not murder. Exodus 2013. Now, now, that should apply to pretty much everybody, right? Unless, apparently, you're a female athlete or a Democratic member of Congress. Then I guess they would tell you that you shall murder. More on that here in a second. But guys, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review, and leave us a positive comment. Here's the deal. The algorithms love when you leave a positive rating. They love when you leave a positive review. And if you comment on any of our social medias, that's what it gets. That's how it gets out to more people. So I don't understand the algorithms. I don't understand how all that works. But I do know that if you leave a five-star rating, you know, leave your four stars and three stars somewhere else. But if you think we deserve a five-star rating, please take the time to go and leave us that. We would appreciate it. But guys, abortion. It's in the news again, and it's going to stay in the news, apparently. And we're going to talk about a couple of stories today. And we're going to start with a story that is just frankly absurd and evil. And then we're going to move on to one that is unconscionable and evil. So I'm using the word unconscionable, you know, big word of the day, because that's how Albert Moeller described this. And he described the story in this way. And it was 100% correct when he talked about it earlier on one of his previous episodes of his podcast. But let's go ahead and get into story number one. And this story is about 500, over 500 female athletes demanding demanding that the Supreme Court strike down the Mississippi abortion law. Okay, so this is from Joe Morgan over at the Daily Wire. On Monday, over 500 women, including U.S. women's soccer player Megan Rapinoe and hundreds of professional athletes, Olympians, and college athletes called on the Supreme Court to strike down a Mississippi law that would ban abortions after 15 weeks in most circumstances. Their actions come as the Supreme Court set a December date to hear the case. So also listed there were, you know, WNBA players, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, who is actually Megan Rapinoe's fiance. They were listed on this as well. So what they did was is they didn't just kind of put this out there on Twitter. They didn't just get on, you know, Vox or something like that. They actually submitted an amicus brief. Okay. So an amicus brief is basically where uh, a, a, person or a party of persons, they submit a brief to the court, which offers information or insights or, you know, their particular expertise that are supposed to have something to do with the case in question. Okay. So the court can actually decide whether or not to consider the contents of that brief when reviewing the case. So, you know, it's just kind of legal maneuvering, but the title of the brief that was submitted was this. Brief of over 500 women athletes, the Women's National Basketball Players Association, the National Women's Soccer League Players Association, and athletes for impact who have exercised, relied on, or support the constitutional right to an abortion as amicae curiae in support of respondents. Okay, so there you go. They submitted that. It's out there now. Everyone's talking about it. So let's get into some information before we talk more about the brief about the Mississippi abortion case that's in question. Okay. So this is Thomas E. Dobbs, who is the state health officer of the Mississippi Department of Health versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. So this case has is seen by many as a frontal assault on Roe v. Wade. Okay. Which I like this. I like that they, these are frontal assaults and people aren't being shy about it. Now, if upheld by the Supreme Court, this would ban most abortions in the state of Mississippi after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Okay, so the oral arguments before the Supreme Court are going to set to begin on December the 1st of this year. And this is one of the first cases that they're going to be hearing post-COVID because they've been basically doing things via you know Skype or whatever or, or Zoom or whatever. And so this is going to be one of the first cases that they're going to be seeing there in person. Uh, they're not going to allow anyone other than the legal teams or the, you know, the media in there for this. So we're not going to be able to watch it. 
But this is from uh, Ron Blitzer over at Fox News. He's given us a little bit more information here. Quote, the law in question challenges the court's previous ruling in Roe v. Wade and subsequent cases by imposing a restriction on abortion earlier than the recognized point of fetal viability, when a baby would be able to survive outside the womb at approximately 24 weeks into pregnancy. Court precedent says that women have the right to abortion pre-viability, and the Supreme Court will now take another look at this and hear arguments over whether all bans of pre-viability elective abortions go against the Constitution. The Mississippi law does not provide exceptions for cases of rape or incest and only allows abortion after 15 weeks in the cases of health emergencies or fetal abnormalities, unquote. So the thing about this is, is this law and, and the ruling will have a direct impact on setting legal precedent uh, for other laws and into the future. And so this includes the recent Texas heartbeat bill, right? Which everybody's freaking out about and, oh, we're going to pull our business out of Texas. And I love that Governor Greg Abbott is just giving them the pulsating middle finger like, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But here's the thing. We're not actually going to spend time on this podcast talking about the chances of this Mississippi law being upheld by the Supreme Court, okay? So we have plenty of time to talk about that later. We're certainly going to be talking about it more this year. But honestly, right now, just to be honest, you know, just off the top of my head, the only votes that I think that we can depend on for this will come from Justice Clarence Thomas and Justice Amy Coney Barrett. So Chief Justice John Roberts, you know, that turd, he will, he'll go with precedent. That's basically what he's done. He, every time he votes against the conservatives or with the liberals, I guess you could say, uh, he's going with Supreme Court precedent. So he's not going to vote for this. Gorsuch might vote for it. Uh, I'm not really sure about Kavanaugh. I'm not sure on Alito, but we do know that Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan will clearly vote against this. But, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. But let's get back to the amicus brief here. Now, I know what you're thinking from the very beginning. Are there really 500 prominent pro women's athletes? In that? that was my first thought. I was like, 500 plus? Are there really that many? But obviously, they're just the big ones that people are talking about, Rapino and Tarasi and, you know, all that kind of thing. But I'm actually going to read you a quote from this brief to kind of give you a sense of what the contents are like. And I actually have a link in the show notes to where you can read the whole thing to yourself if you like hating yourself. So here's the quote. Quote, women's ability to participate equally in the economic and social life of the nation, including through high school, collegiate and professional sports, has been facilitated by their ability to control their reproductive lives. Absent the right to access safe and legal abortion care and the ability of the woman to retain the ultimate control over her destiny and her body, women's sports would now be the enormous or would not be the enormous success they are today. Among other reasons, women's ability to participate and excel in athletics would decline, severely impairing the vitality of sports in the United States. Further, women and girls would be deprived of the multitude of collateral benefits that result from athletic participation, including greater educational success career advancement, enhanced self-esteem, and improved health. So yes, they are claiming that if they can't kill their babies, that they just can't participate in the American dream. That they just can't possibly participate in all the benefits of sports if they don't have the option to kill their baby. But let's talk about why this story is so crazy and evil and important all at the same time. So the first thing is the constant use of the euphemisms reproductive freedom and reproductive choice and reproductive rights. Here's the thing is by the time this is so stupid that I have to say this, but it's, it's a big deal even for pro-lifers because they, they get you know wrapped around the axle on all these euphemisms by the time that somebody is considering paying someone to murder their baby using an abortion procedure. Reproduction has already occurred. Again, they're talking about reproductive rights, but at the moment, it's a one-celled zygote. You have reproduced. 
Like, did you realize that? That like the act of birthing a child is not reproduction. That's the act of birthing. But in order to reproduce, a sperm cell needs to meet an egg. And again, produces a one-celled zygote. It starts taking up space in the universe. It's a human life, right? But we're being told this is about reproductive rights and freedom and choice and, and all the other different things. But it has nothing to do with that. Because here's the thing that you constantly hear about with these stories is, again, aside from the cases of rape where somebody is impregnated during rape, which is horrific, which I believe the rapist should be castrated and then killed, right? I absolutely believe that 100%. These are people that are making conscious decisions. These are women that are choosing to spread their legs and receive the penis of a man that is choosing to insert it inside of her. I hate that I'm having to break it down in such a basic way, but that's what's happening. These are typically two consenting, because if it's, if it's not rape, these are two consenting adults that are consenting to the sexual act, which might produce a child, right? Which might, you know, cause a pregnancy to begin. So this has nothing to do with reproduction, nothing at all. Another reason why it's, you know, so crazy and evil and important to talk about this is the constant use of the euphemism healthcare. Again, it can't be considered healthcare if you're actively killing a human. That's not healthcare. Like if you if you roll your ankle, you can get healthcare. If you have cancer, you can get healthcare. This is not healthcare. This is death care. This euphemism uh, in terms of calling it healthcare, like healthcare options, it's ridiculous. And the next thing is, we're talking about the constant dehumanization of the baby in the womb. That's why this is important, okay? Because this is a great time to remind you that the baby that's inside the woman is not her body. It's not her body. I talk about this all the time. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. It's not her body. It's a different body completely. Its own DNA, its own organs, its own blood, its own everything. But let's go to Megan Rapino, who, who is just a lightning rod for every left-wing issue possible. You know she was going to talk about something like this, so she's the most high-profile person to support this amicus brief. Here's a quote from her. Quote, I am honored to stand with the hundreds of athletes who have signed onto this Supreme Court brief to help champion not only our constitutional rights, more on that in a second, but also those of future generations of athletes. Physically, we push ourselves to the absolute limit. So to have forces within the country trying to deny us control over our own bodies is infuriating and un-American. And we will and will be met with fierce resistance. Right? We're, we're going to meet this with fierce resistance. Ba- abortion on, on demand or we riot. Right? Like that's basically what we're saying. If you won't allow us to kill our babies whenever we want to, for whatever reason we want to, we're going to burn it all down. Which, guys, that's what it's coming to. Because depending upon what happens with, with this decision that's going to be coming down likely next year, maybe even into next summer, it, there's going to be rioting in the streets over something like this. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if it's going to be up to, up to the point of what we saw with George Floyd. And in the billions of dollars of worth of things that we saw, but there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth for sure with something like this. But again, the whole point that Megan Rapinoe is making is like, if someone else is telling me what to do with my body, no, 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 no. They're telling you, you can't do something inside your body, which is not yours because you can't choose whether or not to tear this baby limb from limb and suck them out of your uterus. You can't tell them to do that, Right. Now, we live in a country that currently allows that, but that's, what's what, that's what we're questioning right now. None of the euphemisms, none of the other stuff, none of the stupid bumper stickers. That's what we're talking about. But here's the big one. Here's the big one before we move on to the second story. The main argument, the main argument that these women are making in this brief 
is that if they don't have the option to kill their babies in the womb, that their lives would be potentially too inconvenienced. This is one of the most egregious things I'm about to talk about. So this was from Chrissy Perham. So if you don't know who that is, you know, you're like the rest of us, but she apparently was the captain of the 1992 Olympic swim team. She won an Olympic gold medal that year, but she said in the brief that she had an abortion while she was in college, while she was on birth control as, as if that, that matters, but she had an abortion. That's the main headline here. But here's a quote from here, from her rather quote. When I was in college, I was on birth control, but I accidentally became pregnant. I accidentally became pregnant. Uh, whatever. I was on scholarship. I was just starting to succeed in my sport, and I didn't want to take a year off, Perham said. I decided to have an abortion. I wasn't ready to be a mom, and having an abortion felt like I was given a second chance at life, even though her baby wasn't. I was able to take control of my future and refocus my priorities. That choice ultimately led me to being an Olympian, a college graduate, and a proud mother today. I'm finally speaking up and sharing my story because there shouldn't be a stigma surrounding personal healthcare decisions. Women know what's best for our own bodies and lives and our autonomy needs to be respected. My goodness, what an evil, evil woman. Again, if I didn't murder my baby, like I wouldn't have succeeded in my sport. I wouldn't have graduated. I wouldn't be such a positive mom today. But the thing that this woman needs to understand She was a mom when she got pregnant, according to her, accidentally got pregnant. What did she trip and fall and land on a penis, right? Like, what what do you mean you accidentally became pregnant? What you mean is you were on birth control and the birth control didn't work. And then you created a human being and then you chose to kill it. That's what you did. You, you can, you know, cloak it in all this random language and all this stuff that you would find on the back of a Planned Parenthood t-shirt. But at the end of the day, that's the reality of what happened. But to say that this is some sort of an achievement, like, oh, I wouldn't have been an Olympian if I hadn't killed my baby, perhaps. But when you made the choice to engage in a sexual act with another human being, with a man, you knew this was a potential outcome. You made a choice. And then you made the most horrific choice. You were already a mother. Now, she's pretending now that she has kids that live outside the womb, that she became a mother when those things happened. No, no, no. You became a moment, oh, a mother when you were in college and you became pregnant. That's when you became a mother. Now, you couldn't hold the baby. You couldn't feed the baby. You couldn't care for the baby. But it was your baby, okay? It's absolutely, absolutely insane. Again, she uses the euphemisms about healthcare and healthcare decisions, which is not even applicable to this story. But let's go ahead and move on to story number two, okay? So this one's the unconscionable one, which, you know, we'll we'll kind of break it down. But it's the United States House of Representatives. They voted to codify the right of abortion into law. So as reported by Live Action, we'll say this, quote, the United States House of Representatives passed the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, or the WHPA, of 2021 on Friday, a bill that intends to enshrine abortion in law as a right through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason. The law endorsed by the White House this week would prevent states from passing protections for for preborn children such as the Texas Heartbeat Act, but would also go further than any current pro-abortion law. The bill passed by a 218 to 211 vote. So this happened just last Friday, guys. So I don't know why they did the vote on Friday, but typically if you're trying to bury something, you would do it on a Friday. I don't know if that was part of the thing or if it was just on the docket. I don't really know. But every single Republican in the House voted against the bill and every single Democrat in the House voted for the bill, except for one that's Representative Henry, I think his last name is pronounced Cooler, uh, it's C-U-E-L-L-E-R from Texas. He was the only one that voted against it. So I don't ever want to hear again about how Democrats care about people. I don't ever want to hear it again. Never again. This is the party that cares about people. Is it though? Because every single Democrat in the House of Representatives voted for this thing, which again, 
creates a wild, wild west for abortions. Abortion for any reason up to the point of birth, up to the day of birth, right? So the thing about this bill is this bill would supersede any state regulations or restrictions on abortion, any and all of them. So that includes heartbeat bills, viability laws, all of it, right? So it would also allow for sex selective abortions, because if you can have it for any reason, you can say, ah, I don't really want a girl. So you can, you know, kill the girl for no reason, right? It would allow abortions for, you know, babies that have Down syndrome. It would allow abortion up until the moment of birth, as long as somebody can prove that the woman's health was in danger. I'm using major air quotes for those just listening to me. Okay. Women's health, right? Now that is not going to be restricted to physical health either. It can be their emotional health or their mental health or their financial health. As long as one doctor can basically say that this woman is going to be bothered too much by having this baby, they can kill it, right? So this is easily the most pro baby murder law voted on and passed by a modern government in the world, in the world. Because people always look at Europe and they're like, oh, they're so progressive and they're so liberal and they're so all those things. For the most part, you can't get an abortion in a European country after the first trimester. Again, the, the fact that, that we even break it down by trimesters means nothing. There, there's really no basis. They just did that during Roe v. Wade to just kind of pretend that it was a different entity at each point of development. And so when it became a second trimester fetus, it was somehow massively different than when it was in the first trimester. Like it was a ficus or it was a, you know, a Nissan Ultima, and then it turned into a human being in the second trimester. It's like ridiculous. But again, this is something that even people in Europe are like, whoa, really? Abortion all the way up to 39, 40, 41 weeks. Wow. It's like, that's a baby in there. Yeah, it was a baby the whole time, but now it's like that baby could be living outside the womb and we're going to kill it. Easily the most pro-baby murder thing that we've ever seen so far. But you might be thinking to yourself right now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Kyle. I thought that abortion was already law. Why are they trying to codify something into law that's already law? Oh, why would Joe Biden get up and say, no, we need to codify Roe v. Wade into, into law? And the answer is pretty simple is that it's not law. Roe v. Wade was a legal opinion, guys. And we're, we're not going to go into a deep dive here. I'm going to leave some stuff in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. But I, I know that we don't, as Americans, uh, pretty much anymore, we don't get educated on the separation of powers anymore, right? But there are three branches of the government, right? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial. This deals with the last two, okay? The judicial body, the judicial branch cannot create law. It can't create law. Now, they can rule in the constitutionality and legality of the law, but the legislative branch creates the law. They're the legislative branch, right? They're the ones that create it. And this is a great time to remind everyone that there is no mention whatsoever of abortion in the United States Constitution. None. No mention at all. Even legal scholars, modern legal scholars that love abortion, gosh, they just love, you know, baby murder. They love it. It's their favorite thing. They agree that this decision, the Roe v. Wade decision was dog doo-doo. They, they just, they're like, oh man, horrible jurisprudence. Basing the right to abortion on the 14th Amendment, the right to privacy, it's an absolute joke. And again, I'm, I'm going to leave some videos and stuff so you can dig into that a little bit further. But essentially, the, the way it was supposed to work is if the Constitution does not explicitly talk about it, it's supposed to be up to the states. Because the Constitution, as long and as, you know, far-reaching as of a document as that is, the, the, one of the greatest documents in the history of humanity, this thing doesn't cover everything. It can't cover everything. So it's going to leave the rest up to the states. At least that's how it was supposed to go. So we need to talk about why this particular story is so crazy and evil and also important. This is the ultimate virtue signaling. The ultimate virtue signaling. Because there is a 0% chance that this passes the Senate. 0%. 
because they're going to need 60 votes. Okay. And right now we obviously know that there's, you know, 50, 50 Republican Democrat with, you know, basically the tie going to, you know, the vice president, uh, co-president rather, uh, Kamala Harris. So there's no way it's going to happen. There's no way they're going to peel off 10 Republican votes and every Democrat may not vote for this either. Right. So Kristen Sinema may not vote for this. Uh, the guy in West Virginia, whose name just slipped my mind, he may not vote for this. But the thing about this is this is about the 2022 midterms. That's what this is about. This is about drumming up anger and support you know, from suburban women and independents and people that are just kind of like sitting on the fence. That's what this is about. Okay. Because they think that this is something that they can run on. Right. So they're just signaling that this is what they want to do, which kind of leads to the next point here, which is that elections have consequences. I talk about this all the time, but guys, just imagine, just imagine if this all went down and we're sitting here right now today and the Democrats had a super majority in the United States Senate. They had 60 votes in the United States Senate. This wouldn't be stopped. The House votes for it, and it goes to the Democrats in the Senate, and they would vote for it, and then it goes to Joe Biden's desk, and he just, <laughs> and signs it. Doesn't know what he's signing. He's signing in crayon, but you know he's signing it nonetheless. But that's where we'd be right now. So I know, especially Christians, right? You know, and even more normally, you know, especially after the the new cycle of 2016, and all these things, we we just don't want to get into the you know the things that are happening in the world, and there's just nothing we can do about it. And we just need to you know basically hide behind the gospel. And I, I know that sounds you know rude to say, but it's like you know let's just focus on things inside the church and let's focus on you know all these you know whatever. But this is a very very important thing because if you care about human flourishing, if you care about the dictates of God, if you care about the Imago Dei, if you care about the fact that. We were knitted together in our mother's womb. And if you care about the fact that we have the image of God written on site you know, on us, this is an important issue. So if you have your head in the sand while an election's going on and you allow Democratic senators, Georgia, to be elected for your state, that could throw the entire balance of what's happening in the United States out of whack. So again, the odds of getting to that supermajority are, are not really high, but just imagine if that's where we were right now. These elections have consequences. And the last thing I'll talk about, I guess, on this thing in particular is that Democrats in America wouldn't be pushing for this if they didn't think it was a winning issue. And that is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. They think this is a winning issue. They think that they can build momentum through the end of the year, through the first quarter and second quarter of next year and into election season, you know, for 2022. That's what they think. And you see all these, you know, quotes coming out about, oh, you know, most people are against the Texas heartbeat or bill and they're against all these different things until they actually get into the issue, Right. The majority of people in America are pro-life. The majority of people in America don't even know what happens on an abortion. Like I think I've talked about before where those, you know, live action will show videos to these people on the street. Oh yeah, you know, I, I think a woman should be able to do what she, uh, she wants to with her own body and she shouldn't be forced to carry a, a baby. What if they were raped? What if it was incest? Blah, blah, blah. And then they show them a rendering, basically a, a cartoon rendering of what happens during an abortion. And they're mortified. They're mortified. The act of taking a sharp instrument, inserting it into the vaginal canal and going into the uterus and slicing the baby up and dicing it and sawing the baby into pieces, you know, scraping the uterine wall to get all the pieces out. Right. You know, you know, in a, uh, you know, a late term abortion, they're actually the pulling the baby out, you know, just far enough to where they're pulling out by its feet, snipping the back of the neck, inserting a tube into the, into the, the back of the neck, sucking out the brains, collapsing the skull and then pulling the rest of the baby out. That's a late-term abortion, guys. That's what this law would allow for. Imagine that. Imagine that. Seriously. A lot of you guys have actually been in the delivery room with your, with your wife as she was bringing your baby into the world. 
Imagine going in there with the express purpose of killing that baby. You're literally pulling out by its feet. It's alive. It's been alive the entire time, but it's alive. And you're cutting the base of its neck and killing it. That's what this would allow for. And people are like, oh, that, that almost never happens. And that's a straw man, all these different things. It happens. It's legal right now in the state of New York. It's legal right now in the state of Rhode Island and some other states, right? But Democrats are pushing for this because they think it's a winning issue. Because they're looking at the polls and they're like, oh, you know, people are, are pro-choice. They're not pro that. And that's the reality of what abortion is. So you might be thinking to yourself, you know, at this point, like, how, why are we talking about this again? You seem to always talk about abortion. But it's the same thing I was talking about last week with all those different news stories that most of you didn't know about. There's nothing virtuous about burying your heads in the sand. That's why I talked about Proverbs 18, 15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Guys, we can't push back darkness if we refuse to recognize it. If we refuse to see it, we're going to be pushing back against nothing because we're not identifying the enemy. The fight for the unborn is right here in front of us. Okay. It's getting hotter. It's getting hotter by the day. And, and as we get closer to this SCOTUS decision, it's going to get even hotter still. But guys, we're on the right side of this issue. You know, if you want to debate uh, immigration and debate taxes and debate, you know, uh, you know, school board stuff, like, that's fine. You know, we can probably have some disagreements and there's maybe a right answer and there's maybe not. Maybe it just comes down to the eye of the beholder. But this is a right and wrong issue for sure. You don't want to be on the side of baby murder. Guys, we have to prepare ourselves for the fight. We don't have a choice. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost out on Dalton Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here are all the links I've got for you today. I've got a link to the amicus brief so you can read it for yourself. I've got a link to a Daily Wire episode or Daily Wire article rather that talks about the 500 plus female athletes that are submitting the brief. Then I've got an article from Live Action where they were talking about the breaking news about the U.S. House of Representatives. Then I've got an older uh, article and video from live action. It's called The Truth About Roe v. Wade Revealed in Powerful New Live Action Video. So you should definitely check that out. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, there you go. Got a little tongue tied. But also, you can check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. We also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>